0: lighthearted, but it also has the mystery of where will this take me? You can even chat and play
1: with or against other players by joining a detective club. You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. Megan, I think we should join a detective club together. We've got this. (laughs) Can you crack the case?
0: Download June's Journey for free
1: today on iOS and Android. June needs your help, detective. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. This podcast may contain content that is graphic and disturbing in nature.
0: Listener discretion
1: is advised. A 19-year-old pregnant woman was looking for some secondhand baby gear in an online forum for expecting mothers when she found a generous offer of free baby clothes. After traveling to the home where she was supposed to pick up the items, it became clear that she was the unfortunate target of an elaborate plot. This is the Marlin Ochoa Lopez story. Hi, Megan. Hey,
0: Amy. How's your first month going of classes? I mean, it's okay, but we're already at midterm, so we're going to have our hands full in a week. Then it'll pass like always. And then we'll have finals
1: and then we'll have break. Yay. <laughs> All right. Well, before we start today, Megan, let's thank Abigail Perez for her help with today's research. Oh, thank you, Abigail. And let's thank some of our supporters. Great. Who do we have today? Today we have Kirsten, Catherine, and Nadine. Thank you, ladies. We really appreciate all your support. All right, and now let's get into today's episode. Marlena Choa lopez was born November 16th, 1999 in Mexico and lived there for about two years before her family moved to Southwest Chicago, Illinois. Her parents wanted a better life for her and her two siblings as the area that they were living in was known for violence and drug trafficking. Now, growing up, they had a pretty tight family Her parents did get divorced, but they all stayed very close and, you know, helped out with the children. Moreland was a very dedicated student who excelled in really everything she did. She was also an older sister to two siblings whom she often looked after to help out her parents. It was during her second year in high school that she met Giovanni Lopez, and the two became quite serious In 2016, the couple welcomed their first child, Joshua, and they began planning for their future. Although quite young, they were in a loving, stable relationship and planning for their future. In fact, just a year later, the two got married. They both continued going to school, and they worked hard with the help of both of their families. In 2018, Marlon found out that she was again pregnant. And at the time of the events we are discussing, which was the spring of 2019, Marlon was a 19-year-old student at Latino Youth High School in Little Village, Chicago. Again, she was married to Giovanni. They had, at this time, a three-year-old son, Joshua, and she was seven months pregnant with their second son. Money was a bit tight for the family because, again, they were young. They were going to high school still. But with another baby on the way,
0: Marlin was starting to plan for how they were going to support this child. Chase, isn't money always tight when you're a new couple, like, you know, in your yep. teens, maybe, but also in your early 20s. Yeah. You know, these are the realities of starting off, too. Yep. So as a way to
1: cut costs, Marlon was looking for some secondhand items. This is when she came across a group called Help
0: a Sister Out. So when you're talking about secondhand items, are you talking about, like, furniture, clothing, or stuff for the baby? Exactly. Stuff for the baby. Okay. This group was for expectant mothers. I actually
1: belonged to one of these when I was pregnant with Jordan. It's a bunch of mothers who, you know, when are you due? I'm due here. You know, how are you feeling? Anyone experience this? I have an extra stroller I'm selling. And, you know, so people are kind of exchanging tips. And it's a place where people are giving each other items or, you know, selling them at reduced cost. That's great. So it was here that she met 46-year-old Clarissa Figueroa. Now, Clarissa was a member of the group, and she posted about her soon-to-be-born baby. She posted an ultrasound of the baby and also many pictures of the crib and of the nursery she was planning. And she was 46? She was. That's interesting. Yeah, so she would post messages to the group such as who is due in May and where are the May mamas at. And this is when she started corresponding with Marlon, who was also due in May, because she was just a couple of weeks shy of her due date at this point. Marlon had posted that she was looking for some baby items for her soon-to-be son. And Clarissa offered her a double stroller and some other baby items that her daughter had never used for her own son. So her daughter was 25-year-old Desiree Figueroa, who recently had a child. And Clarissa says, I have all these items that you can have. So after a brief exchange in the Facebook group, Marlin expressed her thanks for the help and... Clarissa asked her to message her privately so they could talk more about logistics, when to get the items. Marlon and Clarissa agreed to meet at Clarissa's home on April 1st. At this meeting, Clarissa had invited Marlon in. You know, they were just having some friendly chit-chat and then she informed Marlon of this loss she had and told her about her older son who had recently passed away. Clarissa also told Marlon that her daughter was fortunate to have had two baby showers and that's why she had many duplicate items and her daughter would be bringing them by the home in a couple of days. Now, Marlon was extremely excited and grateful because this was really kind donations from this woman. The plan was for Marlon to go back to gather the items after Desiree dropped them off at Clarissa's home. So who is Clarissa? As I mentioned, she was 46 years old. She lived with her 40-year-old boyfriend, Peter, and she also lived with her 25-year-old daughter, Desiree. That past October, she had announced to her family that she was pregnant. And that was kind of surprising to many, possibly because of her age, but even more so because Clarissa had had her fallopian tubes tied. Well, then I'd say that's a real surprise. It's a real surprise, yes. Although Desiree did, in fact, live with Clarissa, I think that the reason why Clarissa told Marlon that Desiree would be dropping the stuff off at a later point was a way to get her to come back to the home. Mm -hmm. And on the afternoon of April 23rd, 2019, Marlon did end up going back to the home. Clarissa was supposedly pregnant at this
0: time too, right? Yes. So wouldn't she need the baby stuff or she just had uh, so much because, you know...
1: To be honest, this was a point of confusion for me as well. And I didn't know if it's because... Clarissa was trying to work both stories at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, we should definitely unpack that a bit when we talk about like yeah. what
0: happened in this case. It just struck me as like, oh, you're having a baby and then you're giving all the stuff away. But you why know, not
1: just stick with one story? Either,
0: yeah. Right? Interesting. Yeah.
1: Okay. Typically, what Marlin would do is she would attend her high school and then she would pick up her son from daycare. So on the afternoon of April 23rd, 2019, that was the plan. However, on this day, she had one quick errand to run before getting him. She was going to be making her second trip to Clarissa Figueroa's home to pick up the donated baby items. So Marlon left her high school and drove the nine miles to Figueroa's home. And this was just in the southwest side of Chicago. So, you know, close to her neighborhood as well. When Marlon got there, she was introduced to 24-year-old Desiree, who was Clarissa's daughter, the one who was allegedly donating these items. Mm -hmm. So when Marlon came in, Desiree gave Marlon a photo album to look at and sat her down on the couch. Marlon was paging through the photos. These were photos of, remember, Clarissa had said that she had a son who tragically passed away recently. And that, in fact, was true. It was her 20-year-old son who had passed away. So she was looking at pictures of her son. Clarissa came up behind her and began strangling her with a cable. Wow. And Desiree helped. It comes out later that what happened was Clarissa went to strangle Marlon with a cord and Marlon grabbed at the cord as Mm -hmm. one would. And at that point, that's when Desiree got involved and peeled away her fingers and, you know, held her down to help. It is unclear if Marlon was deceased at this time, but at least we know she was unconscious at this time. Clarissa and her daughter proceeded to cut the baby boy, from her womb with a kitchen knife. They then wrapped Marlon's body in a plastic bag and threw her in a trash can in the backyard. Wow,
0: this is really, this is tough.
1: Yeah, so not surprisingly, the baby had fallen into distress from what happened.
0: Clarissa dialed
1: 911 and told the operator that she had just delivered a baby in her home and that the baby was not breathing properly. She was apparently hysterical when the paramedics arrived. And when they arrived, the baby was barely breathing and turning blue. First responders started life support for the baby, and they called another ambulance as backup. Now, the baby was in critical condition and taken to a nearby hospital and placed in the newborn intensive care unit. Clarissa informed the hospital that the baby's name was Xander. Remember, I mentioned there were two ambulances. One ambulance took the baby to the NICU, to the hospital. Okay. A few of the other paramedics stayed behind to speak with Clarissa, to ask her some questions about her condition. You know, she was asked did she have cramps, bleeding, dizziness, and she said nope. You know, she felt fine. But as a precaution, they took her to the same hospital as the baby and examined her.
0: I, you know, I always wonder that if she if she had to have an exam or not, if that's mandated. Because obviously, if she's having an exam, they're going to be able to tell right away this woman just you know. Well, didn't is it her-
1: mandated? Is a very interesting question, and that will come into play when we talk about the aftermath of this case. Okay. So at the time, it was not mandated in Illinois. As you could imagine, like most things, there are state differences.
0: I mean, if I were her, then I would have been like, no, thank you. Uh, I wouldn't have. You well, know. Let me paint the
1: scene for you. When the paramedics arrive, and we know this because many neighbors obviously saw a commotion see what was going on. Now, Clarissa had a lot of blood on her upper extremities, shirt, hands, even possibly on her neck, but the bottom of her appeared to be clean. Okay, Maybe you could say she changed into clean clothes. Who knows? Either way, there were no alarm bells, no sign of birth, but no alarm bells at the same time. So she was given an exam, but as we know, she did not in fact give birth to this baby. And I'm not quite sure how this did not raise an alarm, but it did not. Now in the following weeks, the baby stayed in the intensive care unit And Clarissa and her family were by the baby's side the whole time making medical decisions.
0: Wait, they examined her and nobody was able to identify that this woman clearly didn't give birth? Okay, I'm sorry. I just wanted to make sure I understood that very clearly. Yeah, the baby unfortunately had been
1: denied oxygen for such a long period of time that he was severely brain damaged as a result.
0: That's so sad.
1: Now I'm going to switch gears a bit and talk about what's going on with the Ochoa Lopez family. Okay. Marlon never showed up to pick up her son that afternoon of April 23rd. Giovanni knew that something was wrong because Marlon was extremely responsible and was she was always on time. When it came to her son, you knew she would be there. He and other family members desperately tried to get in touch with her, calling her phone. When they could not reach her, they reported her missing. The police were... Dragging their feet a bit. You know, they didn't really take the family seriously. As we often hear, they told him to wait 72 hours. Oh, gosh. So, why do they do this, Megan? Why do they often, with missing persons?
0: Yeah, there's sometimes it's a resource thing, right? Like every single person who goes missing for eight hours, if everyone was reporting that, it would take too many resources. But there's this idea that, oh, she's probably off with friends or she probably forgot to tell you she's doing something. You know, it's like a dismissal. The problem, as we've discussed before, is that this is the the most critical time. So if someone is kidnapped and they are going to be murdered, it will happen very quickly. So 72 hours is way too late to get in the game.
1: Yeah. And the family knew that she would never leave on her own accord. So they suspected that somebody took her or that she was in trouble. They were not happy with the way the police were handling things. So they had their own press conference begging the public and the press for help. They were simply desperate for answers and they did not feel that the police were communicating well, not giving them updates. Now the family didn't speak strong English, and can you believe they never had a liaison or a translator that worked with the family and the police? No, that's exactly what I would have thought they would have had. That's what they should have done. Some people say it's because Marlon was young and because she was Hispanic, the police were not taking this seriously. I don't feel comfortable saying that because I, you don't know what was really going I on. I mean, it's
0: a possibility. But yeah, without knowing for sure, we can't, you know, we could not. I don't want to speculate on that. Yeah. The community
1: came together fast. The family was very much involved in the local church, in the local community, and people were holding rallies, handing out out flyers, there were search parties, people were trying to find Marlon. Now Marlon's due date, May 5th, came and went and she was still missing. But it was around then that things started to pick up a bit. There are a few things that happened that kind of gives steam to the investigation. First, a friend of Marlon gave the police a tip that Marlon had joined a mother's Facebook group in the days that were leading up to her disappearance. Now, this leads police to the exchanges that Marlon was having with Clarissa. And around the same time, Marlon's car was found abandoned on a nearby street. And it ends up being the same street as the
0: Figueroa home. Well, that was pretty stupid of them.
1: Yeah. So there were tickets all over this car. You know, it's one of these cars that clearly hasn't been moved in a while. And the police never found it. It was actually found by a private investigator that the family hired. That's disheartening, to be honest. Yes. It's very sad that the family had to take matters into their own hands. At this time, the police do start taking things seriously and things start moving pretty quickly. The police conduct a search of the neighborhood where her car was found. And at that point, that's when they paid a visit to Clarissa's home. Ah. Mm-hmm. When the police got there, Desiree answered the door and told police that her mother was not there because she had given birth recently and the baby was not well. So they were both still in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Now suspicions really growing because on May 5th, something else happened. Peter, Clarissa's boyfriend, on May 7th, set up a GoFundMe talking about his child, Xander, who was fighting for his life in the hospital. It was a post on Facebook with a link to the GoFundMe that shows pictures of the child attached to breathing tubes, and they were raising money to help the family. Did he believe this was his child? No, I think that's a good question. Um, I don't know, Megan. I think that's something we're going to have to talk about. I'm going to say there's no way he could have believed this was his child, but the GoFundMe ended up raising $9,000 for the family, for the parents of Xander, the Figueroa family. Yeah. They also, both Peter and Clarissa had posted several Facebook posts about their child and the tragedy that the family was going through. The police went straight to the hospital to question Clarissa, who admitted to having met Marlon before, but denied that Marlon had been to her home on April 23rd. Mm. She told the police she was already at the hospital then. but That's easy to disprove. I was going to say, very quickly, they were able to tell that that wasn't true. So what's the best thing they could do here? How do we find out what's going on? Well, DNA samples. I was just going to (laughs) say, let's get the test going. The police took DNA from the baby. They took DNA from Clarissa and not surprisingly, Megan, she was not the mother of the baby. However, the DNA results did confirm that Giovanni Lopez was, in fact, the father of this child. Now that the police were armed with the DNA results, they were able to get everything they needed. They got the search warrant Mm -hmm. for the home. And that's when they went to the Figueroa home to search. They found Peter, the boyfriend, cleaning some rugs with bleach
0: in the back when they got there. Oh, so then obviously Peter, the boyfriend, does know. Yeah, let's go. Going- or
1: if he doesn't know, he could have just been helping the cleanup. Maybe he knew after the fact. I don't know. He's
0: probably cleaning up blood. So yeah. I mean, I would find it hard to believe, but okay. During the search, investigators
1: discovered cleaning solution. Evidence that clothing had been burned. There was blood on the living room floor, in the bathroom, and in the kitchen. Jesus. They also interviewed several neighbors who posted a very grim picture of Clarissa on that afternoon. Remember I mentioned she was seen with blood on her hands and on her shirt, but there was no blood on her lower half. Yep. They also told police that they saw Marlon going into Clarissa's house that day.
0: This is a lot of evidence.
1: The police have more than enough to move forward.
0: So on May 14th,
1: 2019, they took Clarissa into custody along with her daughter, Desiree, and her boyfriend, Peter. Mm-hmm. The evidence was coming together, but unfortunately, Marlin was still missing. That is until the police searched the backyard of the Figueroa's home and they found Marlon's badly decomposed body in a trash can, along with a cable that was used to strangle her and other pieces of evidence, such as bloody burned clothing. Mm. She also had wounds that were very consistent with a baby being cut from her womb. It was just the next day on May 15th, 2019, that a medical examiner confirmed that it was in fact Marlon's body and they officially ruled her death a homicide and informed her family. Now, this is important because they already have Desiree, Clarissa and Peter in custody, but they don't have evidence that there was a homicide until now. The Ochoa Lopez family is left with many more questions although they are happy to know what happened to Marlin, they could not understand how the paramedics did not notice anything strange the day that they answered the call to the Figueroas' home. Yeah, I'm in the same camp. I mean, There was a department spokesperson who said that paramedics do not conduct physical examinations after a childbirth, and he also said the paramedics saw nothing that would have
0: raised suspicion or alarms, but it doesn't sound like that's the case. I mean, maybe not the paramedics, but it, it's really the examination that I'm just baffled yeah. by. Well, Marlin's family also
1: wanted to know why didn't the doctors ask more questions? How did they not notice that Figueroa had no signs of birth? The family would spend most of their time and energy on, of course, the baby who was still fighting for his life. They were told that he would never breathe on his own, but they were a very religious family and they just prayed for a miracle. Meanwhile, Desiree was being questioned by the police, and Desiree eventually confessed that she helped her mother, Clarissa, kill
0: Marlon Ochoa Lopez. I could have predicted that one in one heartbeat that she was that she be was going to be the one. Yep. yep.
1: So she told police. Remember that first visit back on April first that I said Marlon went to the home. Yes. They were supposed to carry it out that day, but things didn't go as planned because Desiree's boyfriend had stopped them and said he would call the police. Wow. I'm not sure what happened the second time around. Perhaps Desiree's boyfriend wasn't there the second. Time it's it's really unclear what changed between the first time and the second time, but all we know is that they did go ahead with their plan on that next visit of April twenty third, when Clarissa in fact strangled Marlon with the help of Desiree. Then, according to Desiree, Clarissa cut the baby from Marlon's womb, and she says Peter is the one who disposed of the body. So now you know Peter's an accomplice.
0: Here, here. we go. Everyone will start turning on each other.
1: so Megan it's clear
0: now that there's no way Peter could have thought this was his child oh no yeah I think it's clear it was clear to me when he was cleaning up Mm -hmm.
1: very tragically on June 14th 2019 Giovanni Lopez the baby's father decided to take the baby off of life support They had named the baby Giovanni J.D.L. He was only seven weeks old. And now this, Megan, adds another murder charge. Mm -hmm. On June 26, 2019, Clarissa and Desiree were charged with over two dozen counts, each of first-degree murder, aggravated kidnapping, dismembering a human body, concealment of a homicide, the list goes on. Now, Clarissa's boyfriend, Peter, was charged with concealment of a homicide and obstruction of justice. Turns out he had already been on parole for another violent crime. It's going to be my next question. Who's got a criminal history, if any? So, okay. They all entered a plea of not guilty and were held without bail. And guess what? At the time, Desiree was four months pregnant. Oh, God. Yeah. So now we have another child who's being brought into this awful situation. Something that happened around this time that I found kind of interesting was that the perpetrators tried to issue a gag order to restrict the public comments that were being made from attorney witnesses and other people in the case. So listen to this. The defense claimed that these were prejudicial comments that would prevent the fair application of justice in their case. Luckily, in September of 2019, however, a judge denied this request.
0: I think that's ridiculous. I agree. Yeah, that's just
1: a silly point. The judge did ban the distribution of photos or flyers with the defendant's faces on them on courthouse grounds. I get that. Fair. But other than that, I don't think there should have been a gag order. On November 1st, 2019, while awaiting trial, Desiree Figueroa gave birth to her own baby. Now she was serving time in Cook County Jail. And they do have a program that allows female detainees to visit their children. However, due to the seriousness and type of charges against her, Desiree did not qualify for this program. Mm, understood. The Ochoa Lopez family, as I mentioned, they were thankful that the perpetrators were in custody, but they were still very unhappy because they were still being re-victimized by the system. For one, they were outraged by a recent ruling that cleared the medical center of any wrongdoing in the treatment of Marlin's baby. The family had claimed that the hospital mishandled the baby's case and therefore they should have been held liable because they believe that the hospital should have been suspicious and had performed DNA earlier to confirm the birth mother. I could see the argument. I'm not sure... I'm not sure. I can see it. I think it. I don't I'm not sure about the DNA part, but I do believe that the physical examination should have raised some alarm. I do too. Things got worse, Megan. In July of 2019, the family received over $300,000 in bills from the medical center for because of the care of the baby. That's just Wait, infuriating. Wait, you think that's worse? The invoices referred to the baby as the Figueroa boy. And the family was told that if they did not pay the bills, the balance would be sent to collections.
0: That's absurd. That's criminal in itself. Unbelievably criminal.
1: Luckily, the hospital then said
0: that they were billed in error.
1: But still, that's very re-victimizing to get this bill for, you know, your child who had passed. And ugh, it's that's
0: difficult. a That's a pretty big error to make and terrible in a case where that is so hurtful to the family who's endured so much. So this brings us really up to current day because they're still awaiting trial. This is not that long ago,
1: remember? This oh, crime really? occurred in 2019. So meanwhile, the Ochoa and Lopez families, they're very vocal. They hold annual vigils. They also deliver meals to Chicago police officers as an act of kindness. Just this past March, they held an event to honor Marlin and the baby. They did this uh, diaper drive, which is really nice, what they would do for the community. They gave out boxes of free wipes and free diapers, as well as fresh fruits and vegetables. Basically, what they want to do is they want to help young mothers have a safe place to get the items they need because they believe that this all happened because Marlon did not have a safe place to go to get what she needed for her baby. The family's planning to launch a memorial project that would hold events like this and continue the annual vigils to memorialize their family members.
0: I mean, I think it's nice when we find something like super wonderful that comes out of something super bad. And it really does sound like this is just a brilliant idea. And and,
1: You know, again, the defendants are still awaiting trial. As usual, we will try to follow up as developments happen and report back when there's movement in this case. I mean, I can make my predictions already if you want. Well, we're going to talk about that now and then go into theory. So go ahead, Megan. What do you predict? Because we can't say
0: that the system them get it right because things are still happening. Well, I can say the system will get it right if there's a full on, and they will, they're going to convict Clarissa of murder and the other accompanying charges, kidnapping and whatnot. She'll be convicted completely and she'll serve first degree. For, yeah, absolutely. 100%. She'll serve the longest sentence. Desiree, because she already talked and is going to talk, is going to cut a deal. I predict her deal will give her something like 20 years with the possibility of parole. Peter is going to get lesser because he's going to cooperate. Even though he's on parole, he played a much lesser role. So I'm going to say he's probably going to get something like 7 to 10. I could be off on my numbers, but that's how it's going to roll out. I agree with you on all points. Thank you, Amy. I appreciate that.
1: I believe this is one of our first cases of this kind when we talk about fetal abduction. I think so, too. If you recall, we did talk about Lisa Montgomery in one of our patron AMAs, and that case is very similar to this case. Yes, we just didn't cover it in a full episode yet. This is our first. So fetal abductions are not very common, and there's not a lot of data on these type of cases. What we do know from the National Center on Missing and Exploiting Children that there have been less than 20 known cases. Also, the majority of these cases, the mother does die during the act. And the baby does survive in a lot of these cases.
0: Well, that's the point to try to get a baby. Well, that's what I was
1: going to say. What is the purpose? Well, usually the catalyst is a woman who loses a baby or she is unable to get pregnant. Right. And I guess in conjunction with that is trying to get her partner to stay with her. So when you look at the Lisa Montgomery case, that case was in the news a lot recently because she was the first woman executed on the federal level. And this is very rare, not only for an execution. She was the only woman on federal death row. Now, Lisa Montgomery, if you recall, she killed Bobby Joe Stinnett's baby. Yeah, the baby survived. She took the baby as her own. And luckily, the baby is now a 16-year-old woman who's living with her father. Thank God. Often when we see these cases, they go hand in hand with false pregnancies women who are claiming they are pregnant so in the case of lisa montgomery she claimed she was pregnant but she was not in fact pregnant so she needed a baby so she found this woman who was very much pregnant and she stole her baby luckily
0: she was caught but very unfortunately bobby joe was murdered these are very rare cases i only can remember i know lisa montgomery obviously but i remember one from like maybe the 80s where it was he was a serviceman he was like in the army or navy he was a uh, you know kind of high up there in a marriage that was i think he was thinking about leaving and she faked a pregnancy to try to keep the marriage together and eventually they they caught her as well you know she tried to say that she had the baby outside the baby of.
1: survived in that case as well
0: baby survived in that okay. case as well yes
1: It's interesting when we talk about why these cases happen, and we're going to get into theories in a moment. But some people say that there has been quite an increase in these cases. I haven't seen the data to support this, but anecdotally, there seems to be an increase, but it could just be increased media attention as we know that happens. It could be you know, social media, easy access to false information, because in these cases, you have the perpetrators getting false sonogram pictures and showing people and You know, it's very easy to find a pregnant woman online through either these groups or other means. I was going to say
0: that the online forum just gives, you know, it just breeds all different types of crimes. Also, these cases are so rare that even if two more happen a year, that's a big percentage jump. So it could also be just because of the small numbers. Mm -hmm.
1: Psychologists have tried to understand what causes women to commit these heinous acts. And I've read some accounts that say it's maternal instinct gone wrong. In other words, it's this instinct to be a loving mother that just turns deadly. I don't love that explanation. I think I like the explanation more of, you know, mental illness, you know, delusional. I don't think it's insanity because I think these acts are very much premeditated and they very much know what they are are doing is wrong. There's no doubt in my mind
0: about that. Most of them. I actually agree with that point of view. I think it's though such extreme desperation that it becomes almost psychotic so not obsession not insanity but also they just become so obsessed compulsed with this idea and it has to be and it's usually because they can't cope with a loss i mean we always talk about these you know unhealthy coping mechanisms and they usually can't cope with the loss of either a child or a relationship and this is the ultimate act of desperation
1: and in clarissa's case she did recently lose a son he was 20 years old at the time but it was still a child of hers which is a trigger Another piece of information that hints at the connection to her deceased son is, if you recall, they named the baby Xander, and the baby's middle name was Xavier. They named him Xander Xavier Figueroa. Oh, after her deceased son? And her deceased son's name was Xavier.
0: Yeah, I think that tells us that she was unable to cope with the loss of her son, which I understand that people have trouble coping. So I think there's probably a very strong connection between the loss of her son triggering her need to have another child and still be a mother.
1: What do you think about the fact that at first she lured Marlin in by saying that she was pregnant also. Mm-hmm. And then she said, I have my daughter has items to donate to you. Do you think her saying she was pregnant was just the way to like infiltrate the group? Yes.
0: Yes. I think she had to say she was pregnant to get on the forum and to commit others of her legitimacy and also not to throw any red flags. She's just another mom. She's part of the group. So yeah, I think that was an initial way to- Until just become... she probably figured out, oh,
1: I'm going under the guise that I have items. Like I'm wondering how premeditated this was and, you know.
0: Is it not also possible though that she, when Marlon came over, was still faking her own pregnancy? We don't know that. Yeah, It's possible that she was doing both. She's part of the group, but I also have a pregnant daughter. And we have all of this stuff. So mm-hmm. I think it's possible she used both stories. That first one had to be her way into the group. You're yes. Right. She probably didn't tell them her age or any information about her. I'm not sure or maybe she played up her age as wow, look at 46 and you can still get pregnant. This yeah. is great, you know. Mm-hmm. Who knows either way. Yeah. And
1: I did read some accounts that her relationship was falling apart. There were other things going on. I could not find a lot about Clarissa's background because mm-hmm. I would love to talk theory with you, but without information on her background, it's it's hard to say. I'm wondering if based on what we do know, do you have any theories other than The ones you've explained?
0: Well, she doesn't sound at all that she would fit under legal insanity. I'm not hearing psychosis with her. I'm actually seeing her, based on what you described, as being more rational. So there's a little bit of rational choice theory here. She wanted the baby. She planned it. I don't know if something was going on as well with her boyfriend, whereas maybe he wanted a child as well. And so this was a planned measure to keep him. She was probably triggered by the loss of a son and thought... If I had a baby, it would replace that loss. So not healthy coping mechanisms and desperation. It is possible that some of her odd behavior is a reflection of her actually believing
1: she was pregnant at some point. Have you heard of pseudosiesis? No. Well, it's called fake pregnancy. That's the term. But it's when a woman actually believes she is pregnant and actually has physical symptoms of pregnancy. It's delusional. Right. And in Clarissa's case, she was posting photos of the nursery and fake photos. But she posted about having her tubes tied a few months prior. So it's like she talked about having her tubes tied. Then she convinced herself that the procedure didn't work and she was, in fact, pregnant. I'm not really sure how this spiraled to this point, but it could be the result of a really severe mental illness.
0: We'll be able to figure this out, though, because she's surely, I would imagine, going to go to trial. And I'm Mm -hmm. sure they're going to go for an insanity plea. So, I mean, I'd be interested to hear both sides and the experts on this. Yeah, I mean,
1: if she pled not guilty, how could she not go for insanity?
0: That would be it. That's the only way if she doesn't plead. I mean, um, that's
1: what Lisa Montgomery went for.
0: Right. And it's possible she'll qualify without knowing, you know, as much. But I hope you'll do an update on this case and let us know, because I'd be really curious to see if my predictions were right. And if she does actually fit under an insanity plea.
1: Yep. We'll definitely be revisiting this case as more emerges. Before we leave today, Megan, let's get to some of our supporter questions. Great. Let's switch gears for a minute. And before we go today, we have one question from a supporter that's a little more lighthearted. So hopefully we all leave this episode not as heavy. That sounds perfect right now. All right. So our question comes from Kirsten, who wants to know how you guys met and became such great friends. I love that Isn't question. Isn't that sweet? I love oh, that. That's so nice. Um, so I'll start from what I remember, and then you could fill in the blanks okay. in case I forget anything. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, we met in the same PhD program. From what I recall, we were acquaintances. Mm-hmm. Little, I don't think we ever hung out or anything. Well, because we were two years apart, so you hung out with your cohort. You were older. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Thanks. Um, Yeah. So we didn't hang out very much, but, you know, we were pleasant to each other. Mm -hmm. And then you got hired to start the criminology program at Fairleigh Dickinson University. Yep. And
0: then. I hired you two years later. Yes. My first hire. I didn't know when I hired Amy that we were going to become very best friends. Um, but I will say that we soon learned we couldn't actually be in the office too much together because we don't get anything done. We just talk, talk, talk. And yeah. And And I have to say it was a slow burn. We weren't best friends at first. We've liked each other, but no, we went to hang out like once in a while, like get a drink together or something. But it was actually, I think it was starting the podcast that like solidified the love and brought up next levelled us.
1: I agree because we used to be like, I would call you if I had something to say, not just call you to have nothing to say.
0: And now we call each other 10 times a day with nothing to say. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great question. Thank you for bringing it. And we really really are best friends. I know.
1: Yes, thank you so much for noticing that we're such great friends. And thank you for that lighthearted question. All right. Thanks, Amy. Take care, everyone. And we'll see you next time on Women in Crime.
0: Women in Crime is written and hosted by Megan Sachs and Amy Schlossberg. Our producer and editor is James Varga. Music composition is by Dessert Media. If you enjoy the show, please remember to subscribe and leave a review. You can also support the show while gaining access to ad-free episodes, exclusive AMAs, and other bonus content for a small monthly contribution through Patreon. For more information, visit patreon.com slash womenincrime.
1: Sources for today's episode include CNN, The Chicago Tribune, The Associated Press, NBC News, BlockCubChicago.com, ABC7Chicago, WTTW.com, and The Insider. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death